Welcome, church. I just greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And could I ask you to help me to give a big greeting to those that are tuning in, watching with us online. Would you put your hands together and let them know we love them. God bless y'all for being with us and those in our Vernon campus as well. God bless y'all. And uh, it's just great to be with you uh, in the presence of God today. I just, I love God's people. And I tell you, I love Uh, this message series that we're walking through, entitled, The Holy Spirit, Our Comforter. Uh, This morning is is week three of this series, and we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. That's the title of today's message, is Spiritual Gifts, because we want all that God has for us. We know uh, that we've got this wonderful gift when we get saved, the, the gift of Jesus Christ that God gave us. But how many of you, even after you're saved, you want God to help you with other stuff too? I'm glad that he's helping me go to heaven, but y'all, I need him to help me go to Walmart. Come on, somebody. And so I'm thankful that we have the helper, our comforter, the Holy Spirit. And in our key scripture, Acts chapter 19, if you'll look with me at your message notes or along with me on the screen, it says... While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And just a little bit of historical backstory to this account in Scripture. Uh, This is quite a bit after, in fact, years after the day of Pentecost and after Paul has begun his ministry. And uh, it says that he's going one direction and another minister named Apollos is going another direction because the gospel is just spreading in so many directions, and the Lord is doing a work uh, through them. And and it says that they go to two different areas where we know there were two early churches, New Testament churches birthed. First at Corinth, where is that's where the Apostle Paul sent the letters that we know as the book of First and Second Corinthians. And then uh, Paul was actually traveling to Ephesus, and that's where uh, he wrote the the letter that we have in our Bible as the book of Ephesians. And while there, it says that he found some disciples. Now, notice it doesn't say he found hooligans. He found believers. These are disciples, followers of Jesus. And look at what he says to them. He asks a question. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And this is not in your message notes. There are answers on the screen. I didn't want it in your notes, really, because I want you to... Make that question personal. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Because this is a question that a lot of people are asking today. A lot of churches are pondering and debating this topic of the Holy Spirit. Did you receive it when you believed? And they answered him. They said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And I hope that the Lord will just allow his word to bring to light, to illuminate some questions about the Holy Spirit, because the very first thing that we want people to know as, as part of uh, the body of Christ at Lakeview is we want people to know God, and you can't fully know God if you don't know God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Can I hear a good amen? Anybody that believes that? We want you to know Him and be comfortable with Him, but there's some things that people have become uncomfortable uh, with about the Holy Spirit, and that's what we're trying to kind of walk through and address during this series Last week, we just tackled the uh, topic of the Holy Spirit. Even that name makes some people a little uneasy in churches. Some translations call him the Holy Ghost. And the word ghost means something way different to us in 2023 than it did in the 1600s when they used to use that term that way. In fact, anytime you see Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit or Spirit, we talked about last Sunday that that's the word pneuma. It's a Greek word that means fresh air or fresh breath. Just the breath of God. That's who the Holy Spirit really is. Not someone to be feared, but just like the wind, he's someone who can move us and motivate us and refresh us. And uh, two weeks before that, at the opening uh, message in this series, we dealt with a phrase that causes a lot of people questions in the church, and that's the term Pentecost or being Pentecostal. Like, what does that even mean? It means a different thing to so many different people and can even frighten some people. When I grew up, can I just be honest with you? I was raised Pentecostal, okay? My daddy was a Pentecostal preacher uh, all of my life. And uh, I'll be real with you, though. In school, when people would ask me where I went to church, I always wanted to be Baptist. Because they could just say it so proudly. They'd be like, yes, sir, I go to First Baptist and we go on ski trips into youth group, hallelujah. And I'm like, well, we're 
Pentecostal and sometimes Sunday night services go till midnight. That's what we do. You know, it just, that's, that's how I felt growing up. I was a little bit, I didn't feel comfortable even knowing exactly what it meant or what it was, but it's really not anything scary. In fact, the word Penta, Pentecost just means 50. Woo, isn't that controversial? And it simply is a holiday. It's, it's a significant day on the Jewish calendar that signifies some big events like the Ten Commandments. And it's 50 days after the Feast of Passover. That's really what it symbolizes. And today we want to address and hopefully uh, get rid of any myths and, and demystify another term. Because sometimes people, when they found out I was Pentecostal, they would go, now, what is Pentecostal? Usually they thought that meant we either wore way too much makeup or no makeup at all. That's what Pentecostal meant to them. But then they would sometimes say another term. They'd be like, okay, but are y'all, are y'all charismatic? I'm like, why are you, what are, are we doing a drug deal? Why are we whispering? But what they would say is like, you know, like, do you handle snakes and stuff? I literally got asked that in school by kids. Do y'all, do y'all handle snakes? And some of you are nodding your head. You may have heard. And sometimes they were joking. Sometimes I think they were really asking. Because they wanted to know, what is this charismatic? What is Pentecostal? That word charismatic, it really just means God's gifts. That's all it is. And that's what we're going to talk about in this morning's message. Are these gifts from God? And I want to start with the most important gift and probably the most obvious one that God has given us. And if you'll write this down, it's the gift of eternal life. What a wonderful treasure and great gift that the gift of eternal life is. Look at Romans 6.23. It calls it a gift, and it also explains why it's so precious. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it calls eternal life this gift from God, but it also explains very clearly that this is not something that we could earn or that we could pay for. In fact, it's in stark contrast to what we could pay for. Our wages will only earn us the ability to pay for our sins. That's all that any of us could ever afford to pay for, is to have to pay the penalty that is due because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And this gift is so important to understand that it has nothing to do with our ability to pay for it. And that means both before we were saved, and it also has nothing to do with our ability to have to pay for it after we're saved. Can I have a good amen from any believers in the power of the blood of Jesus. Because some people don't really understand the amazing grace of God. They treat it like it's just average grace and like you can out how much God loves you. And look, we're not giving people a license to sin. The, understanding the true grace of God is realizing God gives us the power to overcome sin in our life. And we want to receive that gift and walk in it. And it's something that we can't deserve. We can't work for. You can't go to church enough or give enough money or do enough good deeds. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 where it says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. So get over yourselves. It is the gift of God. Is anyone else really, really thankful to the Lord Jesus for the gift of salvation that he paid for for us? Now the second and third gifts, the reason I want to really hit home this point that this first gift, we don't do anything to deserve it. We receive it only by faith because of the grace of God. Is I want to differentiate, though, these next two gifts because we do have to participate in these gifts being active in our lives. The second gift that I want to address this morning is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because just like God sent His Son into the world... God has given the Holy Spirit to us to dwell within us, to be with us, to be our comforter and our guide, our strength, whatever we need and so much more. The Holy Spirit is a great gift. Jesus even said so. Look at just one example in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Jesus speaks here and he says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised which you have heard me speak about. And we even talked about it a lot uh, last week, in the last couple of weeks, about how Jesus spoke a lot about the Holy Spirit in the Gospel of John. You might want to go back and listen to those messages where he discussed how much we would need the Holy Spirit and that he was going to go to heaven, but not to worry. He would pray to the Father to send another comforter to us. 
the gift of the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say something very significant. Notice this. He says, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Do you see something very important there? In a few days means later than when the first one happened. And so he's showing this is different than salvation. Baptized into John's baptism has to do with being saved, trusting the Lord. We've got several that are going to be water baptized at the end of today's service. And while baptism doesn't save you, what a beautiful just testimony of what Jesus has done on the inside. It's an outward display of what God's done in their heart. And I'm excited to celebrate with them. But I need you to see that it was days after this that he says, y'all already are believers, but you still need to be. I want you to be, Jesus was saying, I want you to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And next week, I want to encourage you to come back. I know it's Memorial Weekend, but, but make effort to be, be here because we're going to really go in depth about what does that mean to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? And how does the Bible speak of being filled with the Spirit? Because there's a lot of things where this gets really uncomfortable. for me. This is where you know, a lot of denominations and division has happened in the, the body of Christ is on the topic of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you, really, terms like charismatic and Pentecostal are where things get all divided. And let me just tell you again, really what charismatic means. It's that third gift that we're going to talk about. And that is, if you'll write this down, spiritual gifts. That's all being charismatic means, is you believe in spiritual gifts. And look, most people, most believers, have no issue believing that there is a gift of faith, that there is a gift of mercy, there's a gift of wisdom, a gift of miracles, just like we sang about. But I'll tell you where most people get hung up, most people get tongue-tied, if you will, is when you start talking about speaking in tongues. Any real Christians in here saying, I don't completely understand about that speaking in tongues stuff. Look, I was raised in it, and there's still times I wondered about it. And that's why we need to look to the Word of God, because it's listed right there with all those other spiritual gifts. And look, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, gives good encouragement to us, even if we're wondering. Look at the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, so he's speaking to believers, I do not want you to be ignorant. So obviously, there was a lack of information even in the early church and, and some confusion in, on this topic. And you may be wondering, I've often wondered, where did the confusion come from? When did it begin? There's a belief system that started a few generations after you know, the early church was formed. And you know, this would happen in Scripture where you would see God's people... God would do something amazing and miraculous for them. And they would really follow God really well for a couple of generations. And then they'd start slipping back into their old ways. That kind of happened with the early church. They started getting back in old habits and religious habits. And uh, they got hung up in things again. And that after about you know, a couple of centuries after the early church, people started saying, well, now that the apostles have died, those gifts died that they talked about. Those miracles don't happen anymore. It's a belief system very, uh, you know, a lot of people believe it. It's called cessationism. That's the theological word. They're cessationists. That means they believe that those things ceased. And look, I'm not mad at them or, or just, you know, calling them out in a big way. But I don't believe that to be true because I believe the word of God to be true when it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is God. So God doesn't change. His attributes are the same, and, and, and his gifts uh, are the same as well. And I just really want to call upon the church to not reject any gift that God would give us. And don't, don't be uncomfortable, and don't avoid anything that God wants us to have. Can I hear a good amen if you believe that? Another scripture I want to point out is 1 Corinthians twelve seven. That same chapter we're in, it says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can have wild church services. Yeehaw! It's not what it says. It says this is given to us so we can help each other. You see, there's another end of the spectrum from opposite of cessationism where a lot of people, the gifts of the Spirit are more about themselves than about God or anybody else. Can I just be honest with you? And I've seen both. 
where some people think it doesn't happen anymore and some people think it happens only for them and it's all about them. And we don't want to fall into either of those uh, untruths. We want to just look at the truth of God's word. See, something big happened as the, the uh, years went by in the early church where, like I said, they started to fall back into old practices. In the Old Testament, uh, God's people were the only ones who saw like, you know, these miraculous things. God would do these things only for the Hebrew nation, only for the people of Israel. And even within the, the children of Israel, they only had like one individual like in their community that had access to the gifts of God, and that was the priest. So this was blowing people's minds, and this was changing the world, that now more than just the priests had access to the power of God and, the, and the, the glory of God, and more than just the Jews did. It was being poured out on Gentiles, and it was changing everything. But again, as time goes by, people started going back to what they used to know, and terms started popping up, and positions in the church started being there that aren't scriptural, and they're not even words in the Bible, words like the word clergy, clergy. You know, that's technically what I am legally. I'm a clergy. All that means is someone who reads. Doesn't that impress you? I can read, saints. Hallelujah. Uh, but they also had another term on that because they looked to the clergy and they, they were like, okay, you're the person, like the priest, and you do everything, you tell us what to do, and you're, you're just the one who operates in the gifts, and we'll all just, you know, support you so you can do what God tells you to do. And then the, the, what they called the people was the laity, lay people. And that's about true because that's all they did was lay around and do nothing. They just listened to the clergy. And I'll tell you, that clergy and laity was laim is, is the Greek word for it. It was lame. I'll help you out if you don't speak Greek. <laughs> and it's not the way God designed the church to operate at all. And, and I'll, I'll admit to you, it's hard sometimes not to fall into this trap of just doing things the religious way and, and not the righteous way. There's not two classes of Christians, saints. There's not clergy and laity. We're all followers of Jesus. Come on, somebody. We're all the body of Christ. And my role is not more important than your role. It's just different. It's just different. I get to talk more. That's about it. Here, here's the thing is some people, though, this happens to me as a pastor. I'm just going to be real, like, honest with you. This has even happened to me with, with our church before. A few years back, we had a big community event. We had rented a bunch of stuff. We'd spent a bunch of money on food, and it looked like the weather was not going to cooperate. Now, I'm inside taking care of other things. People rushed in. It honestly made me think of Jesus when he was asleep on the boat, and they're like, there's a big storm coming, and they come get me. Like, they get me and, like, rush me. You got to get outside, and I'm like, what? Who's on fire? You know, I go outside, and they're, like, pointing to the sky. Look at this, and then they're like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. I, I, wanted to, I wish I'd have thought of it in the moment. I wanted to tell them, look, y'all, I'm in sales, not management, okay? I don't have the, all the say over that. I just, I'm just a, sale, a lowly salesman, right? But do you get the point? I mean, seriously, some people act like the pastor's prayers matter more than y'all's. Look, I'm thankful I had a praying grandmother. And I believe because of my granny's prayer, she used to pray right in this church for all of our family. And I believe a lot of our family is, is serving God on, on the backs of her prayers. But can I tell you, her prayers aren't more powerful than yours. She was just praying. I'm going to try to look at everybody. Let that sink in. It's not that anybody is more special than us or more powerful than us. The, the same Jesus, uh, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you just like it lives in me if Christ is in your heart and in your life. And you want the, the whole uh, you know, power that God has for you. Let me give you the best definition that I've heard about a spiritual gift. If you'll write these phrases down, three blanks. A spiritual gift is a supernatural. That's so important. It's a supernatural ability that God gives to each of his children. This is one hang-up why people have trouble understanding spiritual gifts is they want to understand it with their natural mind. You can't. It's supernatural. So unless you're a superhero, you're not going to get it. You just got to have faith and trust God for it. It says it's a supernatural ability that God gives. This is another hang-up. It really ain't about you, sweetheart. It's about God. Giving it to you. Even though it's your gift, it's a gift of the Spirit. Do you see that? We don't take credit for it. 
God gets all the glory. And it's so that together, together, we can advance his purposes in this world. It's not so an individual can promote their ministry. It's so the body of Christ can advance the kingdom of God, wherever God calls us and whatever God calls us to do. That's what the church is supposed to look like. That's how we're supposed to operate. And we don't always. We sometimes misunderstand things. And that's just, that's just reality. And so let's talk about understanding spiritual gifts. Let me speak to you about that just to kind of give the final points of this message. There's three things that I want to kind of help you see. And I want you to see this personally. You have to make this personal for this to really you know, make an impact in your heart. So this isn't just about, you know, things that happened in the Bible or happened to like Bible characters. Those were real people that had real problems, real faults that God still used. And so you don't need to disqualify yourself or anybody else from being, from having access to the gifts of the Spirit. But the first thing, the first step for you personally to understand spiritual gifts is, number one, say this, I want to discover the gifts God has for me. Make that personal. I want to discover. You need to discover it. Look, we try to help. We do things like growth track, but at the end of the day, I'm not God. And don't try to make me be that. You don't want me to be God. Half of y'all wouldn't be here right now. (laughs) We'd have done struck some people down. Hallelujah. No, but seriously, we have to discover. God wants, the the Spirit wants you to be led by Him and no one else. And anybody you're following needs to be following the leading of the Spirit. Amen? And you can discover these, but let me tell you a truth, and and hopefully it'll help you avoid uh, some discouragement about discovering your gifts, is they're not usually really obvious to you. You have natural giftings that will be obvious to you. But supernatural giftings are not always obvious. In fact, if I was just up here in my natural giftings, I wouldn't be here right now. Y'all don't know me. My mom may remember this, but when I was a young boy, I was a kid. Remember boys and girls when we didn't have credit cards? And especially not on the gas pumps. You couldn't just stand. Remember when you actually interacted with people? Walmart, you actually had these things called cashiers where you talked to people when you bought stuff. Sorry. You know, it just, I used to be so uncomfortable talking to a stranger at, at those things. I was so shy. My wife, when we first met, actually thought I was just very shy, very timid. I got red faced when she first talked to me. And yes, she's beautiful, but y'all, I just did that to everybody because I was uncomfortable talking to people. She kind of got to know me right as I was coming out of that, as God was calling me out of that. Because I tell you, my natural tendency was to not really want to interact in that way, to talk to people. And I tell you, even my dad, again, my mom can testify this. My dad was one of the greatest preachers you would have ever heard. And one of the fieriest, man. He could shout with the best of them and just just glorify God. But y'all, behind the scenes, my dad was an introvert. Very much so. In fact, he would have to like go home and like decompress. He'd lock himself in his room and just have to, you know, kind of recharge. And, 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 but I tell you, that's because those gifts that God gave him, God didn't want anybody getting the credit except him. So your spiritual gifts won't be like your natural giftedness. Your natural giftings are different. When you have natural gifts, let me just give you this practically. Use your natural gifts faithfully because God created you. you got some things that just come naturally to you, but use your spiritual gifts by faith. One, you utilize faithfully, the other by faith. Let me give you an example. Like I said, I'm walking in my gifting when I'm up here. It's the anointing of God that helps me. Or else I wouldn't be up here in my natural giftings. It, it just, the Lord helps me. My wife is not gifted in this way. Now, she has some natural abilities where she's a great public speaker, but she doesn't like really being up in front of people. She'll tell you. Even leading worship, you know, is something that she really has the help of the Holy Spirit to do. But she does things I couldn't do. And I tell you, this is a ministry. Raising your kids is a ministry. And if that was my ministry, it'd be a misery, not a ministry. And she homeschools our children. And I believe she is more equipped than anyone else in the world and is doing a better job than anyone else in the world of raising our kids. Have you seen our kids? It ain't because of me. It's the help of the Holy Spirit and how he works through their mom and, and just they're great kids. But I'll tell you, if I was to try to do that role, I would use other tools and other tactics like duct tape because that's not my gifting. I'm serious. You know what I'm saying? 
There's a reason I ain't in kids' church anymore. Come on, somebody. God changed my heart. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 shows us a, a very important truth. It says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And those two words, gifts and grace, I would ask you to underline those in your notes. Gifts and grace, they're, they're really very similar. They're basically the same Greek word expressed slightly different. The word there for gifts is the Greek word charisma. That's where we actually uh, get the word charismatic. And the same, another version of that word for grace, it's the word uh, charis, which can make that same phrase. Basically, they're both there for these two different words because they're two parts of the same thing. The gifts of God are all grace gifts. They're things bigger than us that we couldn't just do with our own abilities. But there's something that God gives us to do more than we could ever do with our own abilities. And in Psalm chapter 139, it tells us something very special. That God not only knows you know, what you look like and how he created you, your hair and eye color, your height. But it says, the psalmist wrote, for you created my inmost being. You knit me. God knit you together in your mother's womb. So you were not a mistake or an accident, no matter what people say. God saw you. And then he says, I praise you. And I love this. It might sound arrogant at first. I love the psalmist David here. He says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> Some of y'all need to do that in front of the mirror. <laughs> I am fearfully and wonderfully. And reality is women sometimes have a harder time doing this than men. Women, when they look in the mirror, typically will notice their imperfections first. Men, it don't matter how fat or bald we are, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Hallelujah. <laughs> Just like the scripture said, your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's true. But we should all really, you're not being arrogant. You're not bragging on yourself. You're bragging on God. And I tell you, you are wonderful because everything God makes is wonderful. He says your works are wonderful and you are his workmanship. So son and daughter of God, lay aside, throw away the lies people have said about you or that maybe you've even believed about yourself and replace it with the word of, what the word of God says about you. I want this for the church. I want you to know full well. And then I skip down a little bit in the scripture because here's what I, part of what I want you to know full well. The next part says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God had a plan for you. I don't care how much chaos you feel like you were born into. God saw you through the storm. He's been protecting you this whole time. And he's just wanting you to start writing the, the pages of the book that you were ordained to write. That you were destined for. And look, all of us have added chapters to our book that weren't supposed to be in there, okay? But y'all, it's never too late. God always has a way of fitting the end in just right. If you'll let him. Amen. I'm preaching way better than you're shouting. But it's just the truth. <laughs> God's word is so true. This is not in your notes and it's not on the screen. But, but I, I would ask you maybe write this down. We try to express this in growth track about discovering your design. Here's the truth I want you to remember. God's design in me reveals God's destiny for me. I want to say that again. God's design in me reveals God's destiny for me. The, the way God has made you and the gifts that God gives you help reveal your purpose is another way to say that. And so as you begin to discover, as God helps you and reveals to you the gifts that he's giving you, then you'll need to take the second step, which is develop the gifts God has given me. That's your second blank on that page. Develop the gifts God has given me. And I wrote two words out to the side here uh, so I'd remember to say it. You may want to Write them down so you can remember them later. When it comes to developing those gifts, two words are key. It's the word change and mature. Because there are seasons in your life where things change. And there are seasons in your life where you change or you mature. You grow in the Lord or you grow up in maturity. And that's part of developing the gifts that God has given us. Um, you know what? God saved me a long time ago, but there's still been a lot of stuff I've had to learn along the way. When he saves you, you're not just perfect the moment you got saved. Jesus is perfect, and you put your faith in him. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to help us with all that stuff that's not perfect. So we're trying to find freedom from things from our past, our pain, our tragedy, our current situations. We need freedom. And the, the Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. This is why I want the Holy Spirit at work in our church. And you're the church. 
So I wanted it at work. I want him at work in your life. First Corinthians fourteen one says, "Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit." Uh, some translations actually say, "Covet the gifts of the Spirit." That's how strongly and deeply that God wants you to want the gifts of the Spirit. Another scripture that I want to address here about developing the gifts is 2 Timothy 1 and 6. Because we know that when you're saved, you don't have to get like more saved ever again. Your faith is in Jesus. And that's why I said you did nothing to earn salvation and you don't do anything to keep it either. You just keep your faith in Jesus. Everybody understand that? There's a lot of questions over that. It's about Jesus. It's not about you. It's about your faith in Christ alone. Or else, you know, we would take the credit. And look, uh, this is obviously talking about something different. It says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Last Sunday, we talked about needing to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you don't ever need to get saved again, but you need to get filled with the Spirit again. Because I tell you, there's a whole lot of evil spirits going to try to rear their ugly heads again. And you need the help of the Holy Spirit all day, every day. And sometimes you have to... It's, again, the first gift, we don't do anything. These last two, the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts, we participate. We're part of it. And when it talks about fanning into flame, that's something that we do. That Remember, the Holy Spirit's our helper, not our doer. And there are times you've got to fan it into flame. You've got to focus on God. You've got to lay aside distractions. You've got to seek Him. You need to, to ask His help to help you discover the gifts. And then you work to develop them. You fan that flame. And as that happens, you'll make it to this third step, which is where you can say this three-letter word, I can use the gifts God has given me. This is our goal for Lakeview. Really, this is the goal for the body of Christ. Uh, it's not to build bigger buildings or to fill up buildings. Honestly, I want you to be filled with the Spirit more than I care about the building being filled. And I want you operating in the gifts of the Spirit that God has given you. There's, there's like 27 that I can see in the New Testament, spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I personally believe that that's not even intended to be an exhaustive list because there's many scriptures that talk about how God can just do whatever he needs to do whenever he needs to do it. That if you have the Holy Spirit, it's almost like a spiritual airbag. You may not need it all the time, but you're grateful that it's there when you need it. Amen? And that's how these spiritual gifts are. They're not something, they're not a plaything. They're not something, a magic trick. They're power. It's the power of God at work in your life. And you need them. To be able to do what God has called you to do with your life. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. So let me say there, too many people are not operating in their gifts. So they're too busy worried about other people, how they're living their life. Let me say it another way. Too many people aren't living their life right. So they're busy watching everybody else's life to try to make themselves feel better. And that doesn't help anybody. Look, there's different people, there's different gifts, there's a great variety of spiritual gifts. So just because somebody else's gifting is different than yours doesn't mean it's, it's worse than yours. And yours is not better or worse than theirs. But it says to use them well to serve one another. And the way I would say it is manage them well. Because really, these aren't yours. It's, it's not to make you prideful, it's God trying to make you powerful. You're just utilizing the gifts of the Spirit so manage them well so God's generosity can flow through you. That's what the church could really look like if we really walk in the power of God. Spiritual gifts should not make us feel super spiritual, meaning that we're better than everybody else. Like, oh, I'm more saved than they are. Or I'm more holy than they are. Now, the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. That's how we say it around here a lot. I need his help. And you do too. And I want to just share a little bit of our vision, our purpose at Lakeview. And just save that last slide for just a moment because I want to share my testimony as well. Here, we're on a spiritual journey. to We want people to know God. That's why I want you to know the Holy Spirit because He's God. But I also want you to know Him because 
beyond salvation. Man, we need God's help, not just to be saved. I'm glad that God has saved me to go to heaven, but I need God to help me go to work on Monday. I need God to help me deal with people on Tuesday. You know what I'm saying? I, I need God's help every day. So we want to be able to find freedom. And again, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And by the leading of the Spirit, He can reveal to us. He can help us discover our purpose. And I need you to hear this. Your purpose on this earth is much more than just working to make money and trying to make your kids behave or trying to make a name for yourself. Your purpose is about making a difference for the cause of Christ, making a difference for the kingdom of God. That's ultimately, no matter what your job is, people get confused. Your career isn't your purpose. God can use your career, though, to fulfill your purpose. Look, I have a purpose regardless of what my day job is. I'm still called to be a follower of Jesus, even if I wasn't working at a church, right? You're still supposed to be the church even if your vocation is not. You don't get a vacation from being the church just because your vocation is not at the church. Somebody retweet that. But let me, let me be just a little bit uh, vulnerable with you. There are a lot of days some recently uh, that I don't feel real qualified to be the guy standing up here talking to you. I get things wrong. I hurt people I don't mean to hurt because I say the wrong thing or hear the hear. Have you ever heard something and it's like, I know they said the same thing, but we heard it completely differently. And sometimes when you hear the wrong thing, you can hurt the wrong person. And uh, I've done that before many times. Even good people that, that I love have left the church, even recently. And I don't even know why. It's one of the reasons I, for years, ran from being a pastor. I even worked at a church, but I swore, I swore I would never be a pastor because I'd watch my dad get hurt too much by people that he loved a lot. And I've experienced that a little bit. And um, Man, even when I got started, y'all, many of you that are new, while these kids come in, we're getting ready to baptize. Uh, you may not know the story of my wife and I, how we came to be uh, the pastors at Lakeview. We were on staff here for almost five years. And I worked with these age groups and the youth. I was originally the youth pastor. I also served after a while as the children's pastor. I was even the worship pastor for a while. Just whatever God called me to do, it was amazing how he would equip me and, and help me because I needed it. And, and you know, we were walking through things, but then uh, tragedy struck in 2014. Uh, just a precious man of God, Pastor Tommy Porter, who we loved serving alongside, uh, just suddenly and tragically had a massive heart attack while jogging around Gordon Lake one Wednesday morning. Uh, the doctor said he probably never even knew he hit the pavement. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful for him because I believe he was walking around our little lake and now he just went to be walking on streets of gold. And I'm grateful for him, but it was painful for us. And our heart ached most of all for his family, but also our church family. And look, I'm just going to be as honest with you as I know how. I'm no dummy. Well, about some things I am, but I've been around church enough. I realized something. Weeks went by, months went by, and, and nobody was stepping up from the state or anybody to, to step in and be the pastor and uh, the overseer came down to have a meeting. He didn't even forewarn me, actually, that he was going to address this. And he said to the men at the time, some of y'all are in here, you may remember this. He said, would y'all consider Daniel to be the pastor? I was licensed. I didn't have my full big boy preacher license, but I had enough. They would help me with it. He would never even asked me. I really didn't have time to process it. But I'm no fool. I, I real quickly realized I'm being chosen because there's nobody else. They kind of got me by default. Nobody wanted to come step into a, a situation, such a sad, tragic situation. You, you understand what I'm saying? I'm a realist. I, I, I've got it. And I was already questioning that, even as he had said it. Didn't even have time to process it to a man in the meeting. One of our leaders in the church who I had great respect for looked at me and said, Oh, I've heard him preach. And if he's the pastor, this church will die. Can I tell you, that felt great. I was questioning myself before he said anything. And it was devastating to a young man and a young minister. 
But I'm thankful that man didn't call me to what I'm called to do. And some of y'all have loved me. Some of y'all sitting here didn't even vote for me, but you're still here. God bless you. But, but y'all, you loved us through a lot of mistakes. Y'all, I did some crazy stuff, man. I still do, but it was worse. I had an afro. I, I didn't wear the right stuff. I didn't, I didn't know how to be a preacher. I just knew how to try to do what God asked us to do. And man, I remember just trying, we were like, we'd be so excited if, I, I, didn't, I just didn't want the church to die, you know. But, but then it started growing a little bit. And I remember telling Clint, I told you, I was like, Clint, if we could ever get 100 people, man, we'd have all the people and all the money we'd ever need. We'd have so many volunteers, because we were doing everything, you know, just, just a few of us just trying to cobble something together. And man, people started to step up. I'll tell you why you did it, because y'all knew I needed help. But the Holy Spirit began to rally people, and some of y'all started showing up that are still here, and new people every day are coming. And I'll tell you, God wants to do even greater things, and I don't care about filling up a building, but I want to get as many people to heaven as we can, wherever God calls us. So please don't stop helping and don't stop helping. Don't stop stepping up. And so I'm confessing you today. Here's what God put on my heart is that I'm going to tell you I quit. I quit making it all about me, putting all the burden on me. I quit trying to take the credit because sometimes I try to. Sometimes I want to find that guy and be like, is the church dead? <laughs> he did. He, he said, he asked me, wagged his finger, said, what are you even going to do a year from now? Will you even know what to preach a year from now? Well, it's been year eight, brother. Here we go. But please, I'm being silly. I'm being silly. But the truth is, it's because it's not me. This is not my church. Jesus is the head of the church. And the Holy Spirit is who's been helping us. And will continue to if we'll allow him to lead. And I want to see God do exactly what he wants to do in and through our church, through you. So please keep stepping up. And that's why I say, I quit trying to make it all about me. I quit taking all the credit. Here's the beautiful thing. If you won't take the credit, you don't have to take the blame either. This is God's church, and he'll take care of it. And some awesome things have been happening. I want to ask those that are getting baptized if they'll go back and uh, get ready at this time. And, uh, man, over the last few years... Uh, we've, we've baptized more people than I can, can almost remember. It's been amazing to see what God is doing. But as they're getting ready, can I ask everyone to stand in the worship team to come, please? And I just want us to, in this moment of worship, remember that Jesus is our champion. And here's the thing. I can tell you, what that man said to me, what other people said about me, even they still sometimes do about, about you know, my methods, whatever. It used to make me mad. It used to make me sad. But I can tell you, as you start to realize this isn't about you, it's not about me, your, your calling is not even fully about you. It's about what God has called you to do. And he can equip you supernaturally to do it. It won't make you mad. It won't make you sad. You can say this last line. If you want to write this down, you can say, I was made for this. This is what I want you to say about yourself. Put that on the screen. That's the last blank. We, I want the whole church to, to, to seek the Spirit until you can say, I was made for what God has called me to do. You won't second guess yourself. You won't listen to the lies of the enemy anymore. You realize Jesus has saved me so I can go to heaven, but the Holy Spirit is leading me so I can go wherever God calls me and do whatever God calls me to do. Would you give the Lord praise if you believe that in this place? Then I want to ask if you would, can we just worship the Lord together for a moment before we celebrate with these being baptized? And will you just open your heart to God? Some of you, God called you to do something a long time ago, and you've been wondering, has it been too long? Have I waited too long? Have I messed up too much? And the answer is no, because it was never about you anyway. It's about faith in God and what he can do through you. So let's worship God together. We did nothing to deserve it, but he does it all for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's worship, church. Let's sing that first verse. So hard to see it. It took me so long to believe it. That you choose someone like me to care to carry your victory. Perfection could never end. You give what we Take the broken piece and raise. 
standing here with Miss Lucy. And this big burly guy sneaking up here is her genuine daddy. And I love when, when uh, fathers are able to be a part. You know, as the priest of the home, I think that's an important role. And I asked him to assist me with this. And Miss Lucy, so proud of the decision you're making for Jesus. And how many of y'all believe with me, at a young age, they can get committed to the Lord and never have to go the way that some of us ever went. They can follow him all their days. That's what we believe for you. So sister, I ask you before these witnesses, your church family, do you trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord? Yes. Amen. Big yes. Then it is my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Proud of you, brother. Just the commitment to Christ that you're uh, showing here today. Same question for you. Before these witnesses, before the people of God, do you proudly and publicly declare Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Yes. Amen. Amen. Now, with him, I'll, I'll need your dad to help you. I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Mitchell, who's going to help me with you, my man? I'm going to drown. <laughs> Jesus, please help us. The Holy Spirit will be my helper. Amen. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's great to see a father leading his family in the ways of the Lord. And I'm so proud uh, of you and your wife, Michelle's beautiful family. And we're so glad y'all are part of our church family. Yes. And I just want to ask that same charge to you. Uh, just as an example to your family, do you publicly profess Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Yes, I do. Praise God. Then I baptize you, brother, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. godly parents amen and I'm so thankful for, for godly moms that just step up and, and lead their family so well I'm so proud of you Tessa and I ask her to help me with with little Maddie here just you just have a sweet spirit about you and I believe God's spirit is, is on you and in you and, and just leading your life I have the same question for you before your church family and before the Lord do you publicly confess Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord yes yes no hesitation amen and I baptize you, Madison, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And people wonder why we call people brother and sisters, because we're family in the Lord. And again, we're so glad your family's part of our church family. And Miss Tessa, I, I ask you the same question, the same challenge. Do you publicly confess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? I do. Amen. You set a good example for your kids and for those kids you lead in kids' church, and it is my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Church, thank you for being with us today and for staying to celebrate. I'm going to ask the prayer team if they would come at this time. I'm going to pray a prayer of dismissal, but if you need prayer for anything, if you need to take that next step in your relationship with God, don't miss this opportunity. Or if you need to be water baptized, we'd love to rejoice with you. Uh, we'll do that every third Sunday of the month. Could I just ask you to, to pray with me? And then if you need prayer, come at any time. And they stand ready to pray with you and for you. Father, I just pray blessings over your people. My people, God. My family in Christ. I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would be led by you so we would never be led astray by any evil spirits or the enemy. 
God, protect us, provide for us, comfort us, and lead us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Would you give the Lord praise as you're dismissed? God bless you. If you need prayer, come and see us.